Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League. I am Diana Kander, a Midwestern mom of two and keynote speaker. And like you, I feel the call to grow. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out the most remarkable and curious women leaders and uncover their rule for growth. This week's rule from Noel Kim is first impressions deliver outsized impacts. This episode is brought to you by Influence & Co. To find out how Influence & Co. can help you create relevant content, get more leads, improve your website's SEO, and drive exposure for your brand, go to influenceandco.com growth. My guest today is Noelle Kim. Noelle is the CMO at Airtasker, an Australian-based company that provides an online marketplace to hire freelance workers. Noelle started her career working at Nestle Australia and then made the pivot into tech by making an incredible first impression and landing a job at Google. After Google, she worked at Facebook and Instagram before coming to Airtasker. And a fun fact about Noelle is that she has a meat exporter's license and can identify every cut of meat on paper. Noelle, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to meet you. So we have to start with the meat exporter's license. Tell us about your meat expertise and where that comes from. <laughs> it's a funny story. Um, I never say no to an opportunity. And <laughs> my parents decided that they would go into soup manufacturing. We built a factory from scratch in rural New South Wales. And they needed someone who had a meat exporter's license. So I conned my then boyfriend into going with me and we had to do a practical exam where the room was full of different cuts of meat. Smelt great. <laughs> so that is the story there. So did you have many business experiences with your parents? I did. Um, and from a young age, from sort of middle school, year eight in Australia, they owned a supermarket, um, a Korean grocery store. It was kind of the hub for um, that migrant community. But we also dabbled in musical theatre. Oh my gosh. We put a fashion show together. I drove around Navy officials in Darwin at like 200 kilometers an hour speeds. <laughs> so really random things, but yes. <laughs> Tell me how you went from all of those amazing experiences with family to kind of the origin story of the Noel career. I wanted to build a big business from a young age. So when your friends say, I want to own a florist, you know, that kind of age when people are like, I want to own a florist. I want to own a fruit shop. I was like, I'm going to manage that shopping center that you've got those <laughs> shops in. And I felt like I needed to get real grounding. And so I wanted to work at a big company so that I could understand how it's meant to be run and take all the lessons from that to be able to run something myself. And that sort of started in CPG. And so tell me about that leap. Like, was it a successful, you know, you picked a big company, you got to work for a big company. How did it work? Yeah, it didn't work quite as easily as <laughs> that. <laughs> I had been at the shop selling grocery items to people. So I felt like who as a marketing assistant or fresh grad 
knows the consumer better than me. No one. I'd been doing this for years, like 10 years. <laughs> and so I had applied for a assistant brand manager role at a local like energy drink company. It was like the hot thing at the time. There were 2000 applicants. I ended up getting down to the last two but they rejected me. They chose the other person because they had had experience in FMCG. And that was a really big turning point for me because I felt like I deserved it. I cried for 30 days, like literally 30 days. And I also stalked the people that were um, part of that interview process because I wanted feedback. I wanted to know how I was going to get to that next step. And eventually somebody um, in the HR department told me why. And so I thought, well, you want experience. The only way I'm going to get that is to go down the chain. What's the best way I can do that? And so I ended up working at a flavor house for a short period of time. Then I moved into a movie studio because I wanted to get a blue chip name on my resume. And from there, I was able to make my way to Nestle, where I was an ABM on Milo, which is sort of like Nesquik here. <laughs> well, I want to hear the story of how you, you even went from Nestle to a Google. Like, how do you make the leap into technology and have such a successful career there? You know, I'm writing a book right now on pitching, pitching yourself, pitching deals. And I'm curious how you made this compelling move. How did you make sure that you got picked at Google to get into the program? Yeah, to get into the program, um, I put together a video saying, why me? Like, what are the things I can bring immediately to this role? And what are the things that um, like, I felt like they needed? And they actually only had room for one person, but they ended up choosing two people. And I was one of two people. And I was like this sort of second person because the other person met more of the criteria. When I got there, I looked around and I thought, because it was much more of a, it's a big company, Google, but Google X and Google Glass was run much more like a startup. And I would just pick up the things that other people didn't necessarily have the expertise or were interested in. One of the things that I did while I was there was um, they had been asking people who are early in the program what they thought of the device. And they had all these open-ended answers that they weren't doing anything with. And so I picked that up. I analyzed 2,000 responses and I pulled it into a presentation and I shared it with the engineering and product teams. And no one had done that before. So I think when you go in somewhere, you look for what are the bits that no one's picking up or what are the bits that are really important to this business rather than thinking, I'm a marketer, I'm here to do this role. It's more, what are the things that this business needs? What is the value that I can uniquely bring? Nobody asked you to create that No, report. nobody asked me to create that report. Did they ask you to create a video when you applied for the program? No, that was optional as well. I just wanted to stand out. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that makes a big impact. And, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And thinking about not just what are they asking for, but what can I do? If I was thinking about this opportunity from scratch, how would I want to communicate my value? I think that's an incredibly powerful way to showcase what you can do. So has it always been just roses in your career, like one successful leap to the next? Or have there been any setbacks that made you like rethink how you were thinking about business or your career? I've had definitely had setbacks, <laughs> but I hope that I've really learned from them. I think probably the biggest setback I had was making the transition from Google to Facebook. I'd just come off launching Google Home globally. We had a Super Bowl spot. We'd featured in Modern Family. Like it was a rock star kind of role and I was doing awesomely, but it was a lot of work. I had put in so many hours. I had built trust over the time that I'd been at Google and then I'd been approached for this awesome opportunity at Facebook. And I went in there 
gung ho, thinking I could <laughs> do the same thing, like blaze that trail. And also, I was pregnant at the time, and I had three months before I was going to go on mat leave. And so I felt this enormous pressure to prove myself, but I also had this enormous pressure to like do things quickly because that's kind of how I'd done things at Google. And if you think about Google and Facebook, both in the Bay Area, you would think that they work very similarly. So I thought I could just pick up what I'd done before and sort of plug it into Facebook, and I'd be off off with the races. And that definitely wasn't the case. Facebook was really a relationships-driven company, and I hadn't. Put the time in to build those relationships, and I wasn't able to move at the pace that I wanted. And I got really harsh feedback from my manager, who I really appreciate that she gave me this feedback. So I took the time over maternity leave to sort of slow down and rethink how I was going to tackle this when I got back. And when I got back, I spent a lot more time building and nurturing those relationships, and was definitely able to turn that around. And if I think of one example, there was.、Um, A strategist that I'd worked with, who had given me some pretty harsh feedback in my performance reviews, and I went back to her when I got back from mat leave,、um, invested time with her, but also like asked for the feedback again, and it had turned around significantly, which I felt was a real testament to me being able to digest that feedback and action and address it. And how did you learn to build trust with that team? What were some of the elements that helped you there? I slowed down and I took the time to learn about people as individuals, and I spent time with lunches, breakfasts. Like the power of that, I think, is just enormous. As a gung ho young person <laughs> who is like, you leave your personal life at home, you know, and now I'm literally like the exact opposite. What was it that you learned about business once you started building these relationships? I think it's trust. Building trust with the people around you is just Than one of the most critical things, and if you start a new job, I think it's the same thing. Like the number one thing you need to get people to do is have trust in you, your decisions, your thought process, the way you're going to do things. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to move forward at the pace that you want to. If you're a true crime fan, then you are probably rightfully terrified of somebody breaking into your house. But it's not always outside forces that you need Simply Safe protection from. This is Terry's story. A Simply Safe customer. Terry was away for the weekend for her daughter's wedding, and the morning of the big day, she got a call from Simply Safe's twenty-four-seven professional monitoring center, and they let her know that her system had detected water in her basement. In moments like this, time is critical because even an inch of flooding can cause more than twenty-five thousand dollars in damages. Thankfully, she had Simply Safe, and they detected the water just moments after the leaking had started. And after talking to Simply Safe, Terry called her neighbor, who quickly turned the water off in her home before the flooding got any worse. Protecting against floods is just one of the reasons more than four million people trust their home protection to Simply Safe. With a comprehensive Simply Safe system and twenty-four-seven professional monitoring, you can have someone always looking out for you, just like Terry. Plans cost under a dollar a day with no long-term contracts or hidden fees. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com/growth. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus twenty percent off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com/growth. 
I'm doing an athletic greens experiment at the moment. I've stopped drinking them first thing in the morning and instead started drinking them around my afternoon lag time, like around 1.32 in the afternoon. And I feel like it stretches out my energy so perfectly for the rest of the day. What is in this magical green drink, you ask? With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start the day off right or keep it going right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body is actually going to absorb. In one drink, Athletic Greens gets you everything you need, supporting better sleep quality, mental clarity, alertness, and recovery, and it costs you less than $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com growth. Again, that's athleticgreens.com growth to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. As you took on the CMO role at Airtasker, like once you started in this new company, what were some of the things that you were hoping to accomplish right away? And I'm specifically now concerned about like trust. Like how did you establish <laughs> that in your new company? So I think I've done a fairly good job of it here. I've, I've learned from my mistakes. I'd say um, building the relationship with your boss, your colleagues, your team, understanding them as whole people. And people are really quick to judge. And so managing the first impressions early on is really important because I think that has a much more outsized impact on how people perceive you, like those first interactions. So I was really conscious about that and bringing positive energy to those interactions early on, as well as having some quick wins. The quick wins help build that trust as well. My husband says that, you know, oftentimes you'll be having an interaction with somebody that you might not think a lot of, but it's their like Noel story yeah. <laughs> that they're going to be telling later. So, you know, do you have any pieces of advice, especially during those first interactions? Like how do you make the most positive impact? I think positivity plays a really big, big role in that. Airtasker as a company and brand is really positive and optimistic. And that's something you feel in every sort of commun- piece of communication we have. And it comes down from the founder. I think that bringing that positive energy is one of those really important things. And I think you know this when you have, like when you interview people for jobs, there are people that come and they have bring this real positive vibe. And you want to work with those people rather than the people who are critiquing necessarily and like bringing that sort of saying what are the bad things about their current job. You want to talk to the people who are talking about the positive things so you can build on that. I'm just thinking to myself, I've been recently given feedback from somebody that I can emote more positive. So this is really speaking to me personally. <laughs> uh, any, any like, a, can you give me a, a top three list of things to bring that kind of positivity to an interaction? I think there is something about personal connection, like learning about the individual as a whole and not just um, the work person. Because then you sort of understand their perspective of, how and why they think certain things or like what's shaped their perspective. And this is something I found having worked at Facebook where when you join Facebook, you actually become friends with everyone on Facebook and on Instagram. So you get this insight into people's lives outside of work. And 
it brings you closer and brings that trust and understanding of each other like really quickly. And so when I joined um, Airtasker, I friended or I added um, Tim, our CEO, as uh, a friend on Instagram. And it's kind of uncomfortable in that professional versus like personal like sort of world. But you quickly learn about the individual. And I felt like that sort of helps. That's an amazing (laughs) piece of advice. Any more, any others? But this is something I'm working on. I'm not someone who gives out praise lightly. And it's definitely something I'm very conscious of and I'm working on. Like, you know that you've done something amazing if I tell you it's amazing because it comes from a truly genuine place and you must have done something pretty awesome. But that is like so motivating. And if I've seen like other managers that I've worked with, the people who show me that they trust me, that they think I've got the best intentions that give me that like praise is what makes me hungry for more. And I do better and better work as a result. So that's something I'm focusing on at the moment. And maybe that's a great way to make a first impression is to come out with some kind of positive thing to say about the other person. Yeah. I love this. I feel like the rule we're talking about and something that is consistent throughout your entire career is how to make a really good first impression. Yeah, I think the importance of a first impression. Yeah, I love it. You didn't know that the culmination of your career so far was in the importance of first impressions, but here we are. Here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Time for the speed round. Noelle, if you wrote a professional development book on any subject, what would it be? I think it'd be around taking a leap of faith. A lot of people think of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone as taking a sort of bungee jump leap. If you're a brand marketer becoming an accountant, which I don't think is a good idea. Whereas (laughs) if you're um, a brand manager and you want to push yourself outside of your comfort zone, you might take an analytics course. You might start to move into growth marketing. It's more about growing yourself in concentric circles rather than taking a leap that's completely beyond your comfort zone so that you can take the confidence from the things that you're really good at and apply that and have immediate impact to the business while also growing your skill set for the future. Okay, what is something that you strongly believed in your 20s that you feel completely indifferent about or even opposite about now? It's probably a couple of things. One is... um, I thought in my 20s, if you work really hard, someone will notice you and you will succeed. But actually, it's not necessarily about how hard you work. You need to choose the right things you're going to focus on and you need to develop and maintain the relationships around you and that is going to get you further. The other thing is um, I thought age and number of years of experience were the things that made you sort of wiser and better. And that is definitely not the case. And I loved my experience at Silicon Valley because you have young, really smart people everywhere and that the world has changed and everyone's willing to give a bit more responsibility to people very early on in their career. I just learned this incredibly inspiring story of the head of crypto at Visa, which I shared online, but he straight out of college, got a job at a company that was acquired by Visa a year later. And then... So he was like in a business development role. And then four years later, he's vice president and head of crypto at Visa because he did so many of the things that you talk about by taking initiative and making a really good first impression and finding that area of opportunity that nobody else was was looking at. Yeah, that sounds like a really good 
way to navigate your career. <laughs> okay, what is a micro-professional skill that you are just outstanding at? So, for example, like, I'm really good at writing cold emails to people I've never met before to get them to respond. Any kind of, like, silly micro-skills that normally go unmentioned? I think I, I spent years looking at Google search trends and keywords. So I'm able to understand like what someone's going to search for if they want an answer for something else. <laughs> oh my God. And how, how can you use that in your, in your daily life? When the pandemic started, my husband and I were like, everyone's going to go crazy at the supermarket. We, we sort of like could predict those like little things that were going to happen. We need to go and buy um, a refrigerator so we can stockpile. <laughs> like early on, we had that sort of gut feeling and then we checked it on Google Trends and we could see people were searching for refrigerators. <laughs> really? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But also you kind of contributed to the problem. Yeah, I, mean. I did. <laughs> <laughs> which, which reminds me like... You, you mentioned your, your husband. How important is your choice of spouse to your professional success? I didn't realize it was going to be so important, but I think it's been the number one reason why I'm here today. Not just because he pushes me to think differently. He like is my confidant and makes me feel like I can take on a lot more than I could. He really does push me, but because he's pushed me to think about work and professional life differently. He's asked questions around what is the life we want to live rather than what is the goal that we have professionally and design our life around the life that we want rather than the professional goals. He's taken a back seat at times and he's really smart and successful in his own right, but he's taken a back seat at times to support our children and be there for them. And so having that partner where you're, you've got a goal together as a family unit rather than as an individual, I've been really lucky to have a partner like that. And do you have any advice on how to have that conversation with your significant other on, you know, who's hitting the gas and who's hitting the brake at which time in their career? I think it's about intentionality. Like most people probably don't have that conversation because you sort of get wrapped up in your world. You just want to keep going up that ladder within your world and you don't take a moment to breathe and say, hey, is this what we want together as a unit? Is this the future we want? What is the sort of five-year, 10-year goal? What do we want to say about ourselves and our family and what do we want our children to say about us in that future? Because you're sort of wrapped up in the rat race and you're trying to just keep moving forward. I think it's that intentionality and just having those discussions. Incredibly powerful and making time for him, you know, like people do strategic planning, but not for their relationship. Do you guys have anything like that? Yeah, he would give me um, performance reviews early on in our marriage and get them on email. These are the things that are working. These are the things that could be better. I'm going to check in on you in six months. Oh, you were like put on an action plan. Yeah, yeah. And there was there were some <laughs> moments that I had um, was underperforming. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and <laughs> what what do you do now? Like, do you have a regular cadence of how you do it? Yeah, we are. Um, and, and it gets harder at, at different points in your life. But we definitely, um, a couple of times a year at least, have those conversations, honest conversations of how is this going? How is our relationship going? How are we going as parents? How are we going professionally? And what are the things we need to change or do to be able to get to the place we want to get to? So powerful. All right, Noelle, let's talk about the rule for a second. How did you phrase it about 
understanding the importance of first impressions? Yeah, I think it's um, understanding the outsized impact of a first impression. Any, you know, last comments you would make about that? I think it's about thinking through what that first impression is, how you want to leave that first impression. I've been to 14 elementary schools, I think, and so I got a chance to play around with that first impression early on um, in life. And I think you sort of see the consequences of that. And I think it's more about, yeah, thinking about it, observing others and how it impacts like their success at different places and taking from that. Noel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was so nice to chat. Noel had so much great actionable advice on how to leave the best first impression that you can and why it's so important. And, you know, as I mentioned, I'm currently writing a book that's coming out at the end of the year on pitching yourself. And there's this entire chapter on how you should use your first impression to connect rather than impress somebody. And research shows that impressing people with your accomplishments, which is our natural tendency to do during those first impressions, actually pushes them away from that all-important trust and connection that Noelle was talking about. And spending time focusing on them brings you closer together. So I thought it was really interesting how in so many parts of her career, Noelle just really nailed that first impression to get the job or to kick it off on the right foot. And she also had times like her Facebook experience that she didn't do as good of a job and had to course correct. Like so many of the skill sets that we talk about on the show, this isn't something that once you figure out how to do it, you're going to be done with it. It's something that you're going to have to tweak all along the way. So I'd love to hear your best first impression stories in the Facebook group. That sounds like a really fun conversation for us to have. And I look forward to all of us improving our first impressions this week. Thank you again to Influence & Co. for sponsoring this show. If you're looking for resources to build results-driven content marketing strategy, I highly recommend checking out Influence & Co.'s content marketing course. With promo code GROWTH, our listeners can get the course for 50% off. Just visit influenceandco.com slash growth to learn more. That's it for this week's episode of The Growth League. Please make sure that you're subscribed to get all the future episodes and leave us a review to let us know how you're liking the show. I am Diana Kander, wishing you an amazing growth-filled week. The Growth Leak is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder. <laughs>